Hi, I'm Leanne Kim, and this is the Business of Thinking Big, the podcast where we talk all things business mindset, strategy, and hustle. So, if you're looking to grow your revenue, serve more dream clients, and create amazing new possibilities, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Stay tuned. Hey there, Leanne here. So a few months ago, I had the incredible Stu McLaren on my spring virtual conference, Business Bootcamp. Stu was talking all about the power of community, and the conversation was so rich and engaging that I asked his permission to share it on our podcast. Of course, Stu being the amazing human that he is, his answer was a resounding yes. And so today I have the pleasure of sharing that conversation with you. So without further ado, here is The Power of Community with the incredible Stu McLaren. I'm so excited because joining me is someone that I have looked up to for a very long time. He was the person who taught me that I had a membership because before I met Stu, I didn't know what a membership was, but I had one. So I am really excited. So Stu, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to Mr. Stu McLaren. Stu, before we go any further, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about you? Yeah. So I had a consulting business for since from 2005 to 2008. And it was a great business and it was doing really, really well. And I was working with clients one-on-one. But there came a moment in 2008 when I realized the only way to grow that business was to give more time. And I didn't have any more time to give. And I had gotten married a year earlier to my lovely wife, Amy. And we were talking about having kids. And I realized, like, if I want to be a present husband and a present father, like something has got to give or change in this business. And so I talked to a mentor of mine and he said, why don't you teach what you're doing for your clients inside of a membership site? And I said, well, what's a membership site? And he said, think of it this way. It's like you being able to teach one time, but you being able to help and serve hundreds, thousands, even tens of thousands of people simultaneously. He's like, so you're never limited in the number of people you can serve, but it doesn't require any more time and energy. And I was like, that sounds amazing. So that led me down the the path of memberships, but I got stuck when it came to tech and a friend of mine and I were chatting and he ultimately said, well, why don't you just create your own solution? And I was like, dude, like I'm hit, sitting here telling you that I, I'm not good with tech and I, there's no way I could create my own. So we came together and he had a programmer that was working with him and we created a, a, a membership solution. It went on to become the world's number one membership platform for WordPress. It was called Wishlist Member. We went on to power over 70,000 online communities and memberships when I sold my shares. And from that experience and being behind the scene, scenes, I got to see like what really works with growing memberships and communities. And since I've been teaching it to literally thousands and thousands of people, we have our own software company now called Searchy.io, where again, we're serving people in getting their memberships and courses out into the world. So now we just have the privilege each year we help thousands of entrepreneurs be able to take what they already know, love and do and turn it into a membership. And we support them with that, with the tools such as Searchy. That is so incredible. Yeah, you've changed so many lives, including mine, because I 
am a student of yours, actually. So I don't know if you know this, but you and I met a couple of years ago at your event here in Toronto. And at the time I had a membership, but it wasn't really, it didn't, it never really felt official. And so seeing you speak and hearing from all of your people, I realized I had to become a student of yours to learn how it was really done. And that's what I call kind of call Mamas and Co. 2.0 was when things really took off for us was was right after that live event. That's amazing. That's fun. I don't know if you remember that, but that's when I met Amy as well. And that's when things just really started to take off. So I love live events for that. I do. I do miss that connection. You know, like we haven't had our live event for the last couple of years because of everything. And I, I really miss that opportunity to be able to connect in that way because it is magical what can happen at live events. And you know, and an event like this, what, where when you're immersed in it, 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 there's all kinds of seeds that are planted. You just never know, you know, what they're going to blossom into. So true. And of course, you kind of like, you kind of crashed MamaCon back in October because Amy was speaking and you were like, I'm going to come up and just support her. I'm like, yes, do it. And you're like, I think one of only two dudes that we allowed. I know. I was like, I was definitely, I was definitely out of my element, but I was, you know, quiet in the corner and that was probably the best place for me. But you know, I love that because I just think you have the spotlight on you so often that it was just so great to see you being that supportive partner and just there to cheer your wife on. And and I just want to take a minute to say, how incredible is your wife, Amy? She's amazing. Like we, she, we, uh, you know, her book, Passion to Purpose is like, helps literally tens of thousands. She's completely transformed my life in the way in which we think about, you know, what we get to do as entrepreneurs and the impact we can have with that. I'm always in awe of, you know, her next adventure and her next thing that she's doing. But I'm always grateful to have her in my life for for many, many reasons. Well, same here. I'm grateful to have her in mind. And she connected me to you. And here we are. So we're here to talk about the power of community. Yeah. Not just not just creating community as one of our offerings, but also leveraging our community to bolster and to really grow our brand. So I want to start with the question, why do you think memberships have become so important, especially in these last couple of years? Why are they so popular? Well, especially during the last couple of years, like when the pandemic first hit, there was a a research study that was done over in the UK. And they were asking people like, you know, about, you know, the pandemic and certainly the lockdowns and all the restrictions. And they were asking people like, you know, what their, what their thoughts were, what they plan to do and so forth. And it was fascinating to, to see the research that came from that. But there was one thing that stood out for me, which was over 60 plus percent of the people going into the pandemic wanted to use the time to better themselves. And I find this very fascinating and interesting because what we saw behind the scenes serving tens of thousands of business owners who have memberships was we saw a major boom in memberships and they were in all kinds of markets, the art market, like parenting market. We saw it in like things like photography and calligraphy and, and fitness and health and finance and business. Like all these memberships were booming. And I think a large part of the reason was that people had time given back to them. And, you know, in one conversation I was having with a gentleman, he belonged to a membership site of somebody in our community. And he said, you know, before he was commuting, you know, one hour to work and one hour back. So during the pandemic, he didn't have the commute. So that was two hours a day that he got back, which is 10 hours a week. And he's like, I'm going to learn a new language. He joined one of the membership sites in our community. It was all about learning a different language. 
And, and I just think that that, you know, was a major contributing factor was the fact that people had more time and they were online more. You know, Zoom went from 10 millions, tens of millions of users to hundreds of millions of users in the span of a couple of months. That's a lot of people who are now online, like for, you know, in a, in a capacity that they haven't been before. And we're seeing it even with like big companies, investment companies that are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in memberships like Masterclass as an example. And I think, again, when we boil it down, it's number one, people want to improve themselves. They want to master new skills or they want to solve an ongoing problem. Those are all, you know, reasons why memberships have really boomed. And then the, the third reason is that the pandemic also forced a lot of businesses to think differently and a little more creatively in how they were going to get what they have to their client base. Because in many cases, especially brick and mortar stores, like, you, you couldn't go to the stores anymore. So they had to figure out, okay, well, we got to figure out how to deliver. Like, you know, I think of our friends, Lindsay and her husband, Joe, they own a brewery and, you know, they would have, it was a very social brewery. So people would come and, you know, obviously they had the beer there and everything. Well, when the pandemic hit, like that was all shut down. So they had to think creatively and they had to like think of ways in which they could deliver, you know, the beer and so forth to their clients and members. And so I share this because what the pandemic also did was create a heck of a lot more convenience for people because now all these product-based memberships or service-based memberships were bubbling up where people could pay a flat fee and then these things were delivered to them automatically. So I don't know if there's any introverts watching. Believe it or not, I am you know, very much an introvert. So I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that I don't have to go anywhere and the stuff that I used to leave, have to leave the house is now going to be delivered to me? This is amazing. So like, all these things contributed to a real boom in popularity with memberships, people wanting to improve themselves, solve an ongoing problem, or they were looking for to be able to do the things that they once did, but in a more convenient way. And so many memberships boom because of it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're just living in these wild times where for the last couple of years, we just haven't known what's going to come next. But I think it's been beautiful. And in fact, we have a couple of members in our community probably watching now who had that happen as well, brick and mortar spaces that just needed to figure things out, pivot online. It just, it, it just amazes me. And one of my favorite things about memberships is the community element. Mm. There's so much of that peer to peer learning that happens in memberships as well. And I think the pandemic really highlighted how isolated so many of us are. I'm sure, I'm sure people tell you this all the time, but you're just, you're a master at bringing people together. Well, I appreciate that. And I think like to that point, the other thing that's really important, especially right now, is that there's a lot of heavy stuff that has happened in the last two years. And there's a lot of heavy stuff that's still happening right now. Like when we think of the war over in the Ukraine, when we think of over in Australia, like they've just experienced like crazy, tremendous flooding where literally like entire homes are underwater. Like I, I can't even imagine. And then when you roll in the heaviness and the challenges that the pandemic have presented, like you mentioned brick and mortar business owners, like my heart goes out to all of the brick and mortar business owners because one of my best friends who was in my wedding party, he's owned a restaurant for 12 years. And so obviously where we are here in Canada, like he hasn't been able to have that restaurant at full capacity for a full two year period. So imagine trying to navigate that as a business owner where you just, you, it's not that you're a bad business owner. It's that like, circumstances means you you can't have people in your restaurant and therefore you're not generating revenue like you once used to so 
listen, my heart goes out to everybody and, and we're just talking about business here, but there are things like obviously travel that was, you know, canceled and surgeries that were delayed and canceled. And the pandemic has been a really heavy time. So I share all this because the other thing that is really contributing to memberships and communities really booming is that right now people are craving a safe place where they can dive right back into the things that they love, the things that they're passionate about, the things they have interest in without the division, without the being attacked, without, you know, all the criticism. They just, they just want a safe place to get back to the things that bring them joy and happiness. When we can create that for people, they're naturally drawn to us because everything else has been so heavy. And when you create that place, it feels so light, especially when compared to what they're navigating and have been dealing with. And hopeful, right? You know, bringing, giving people hopeful, hopefulness, giving people a smile when they didn't have it when they started their day. I actually wanted to ask you about this. You, you talked about, you know, leaders needing to create this safe space. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to, to know what other qualities do you think a good community leader needs to have or needs to cultivate in order to, to, to be a great leader? This is going to sound almost like too simple, man. Like, but I think. At the end of the day, we like simple here. We're all moms here. So simple is good. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think at the end of the day, we, we just need to care about our people. So we just have to care about our people. We have to have empathy for what they're navigating, what they're dealing with right now. And we have to really take the time to think about where they are right now and what they are trying to accomplish or trying to achieve. And while all we do in our businesses, no matter whether we're selling products, services, whether we're selling our knowledge or information, is we're just trying to help people go from where they are to where they want to be. And so we just got to get real clear on that. So for example, like one of the things that I do anytime I am going into any type of promotion or I'm looking to make any type of offer is I just get out a sheet of paper I draw a line straight down the middle and on the left-hand side at the top, I put now. And on the right-hand side at the top, I put future. And then I just brainstorm one like words or short phrases that describe how my market is thinking, feeling, and what they're doing right now. And then on the right-hand side, I contrast that to what, what do they want to be thinking, feeling, and doing in the future? And when you create this contrast between these two worlds, you get very clear about how you can help people experience progress. And and when you get clear about that, it's just about focusing on your people. Like, where are they getting stuck? What's holding them back? What's preventing them from getting to that you know future faster, better, easier? And as long as you just stay focused on your people, everything takes care of itself. Because if they, if you're focusing on them, and you're looking to help them and help them get unstuck, they're going to experience more progress. If they experience more progress, you build this reputation of somebody who helps this market solve this problem. And that's the thing that's going to keep your business alive now and three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So as long as we just focus on our people and what they're trying to achieve, I think everything takes care of itself. Oh, that's such great advice. Definitely, definitely simple, but not necessarily easy, right? If it were that easy, everyone would be doing it, but it is 
It is that simple. And I have to say, I feel like when I was in my first year of running my own business, I was very in my own head, mm-hmm. right? We make, we make everything we're experiencing all about us in the early years, me and my problems. Yeah. And then when I made that shift to really just, what if I just cared more? What if I just loved on them more? I tell you, everything exploded, not yeah. just, not just the revenue, but literally everything from what we're going to talk about next, the social proof marketing, visibility, the joy in my business, you know, which one of the most important things to me. So I I do want to dive into that piece though, about social proof. Mm. I don't know if you know this, but I actually study everything you do. (laughs) You're like, I think of you as like the king of social proof. And when I watch you launching and even in your pre-launching, like months before Mm. you are weaving in this social proof into your marketing. So Tell us a little bit about social proof and why it's so important and powerful in marketing. I think the reason that I'll I'll share a story with you. So I was actually sharing this with my team last night. Years ago, when we were hosting our very first live event for the business that we have right now, I was really nervous, really nervous. And, you know, I hadn't hosted a live event for a number of years and, you know, we had, you know, thousands, like, you know, a couple thousand people that were coming. And, and, and at the event, we had planned to make an offer to support people for the rest of the year. So those who wanted our ongoing support, we had an offer that we were going to present to them. And I had never made this offer before. And so I was really nervous about it. And I had been preparing ahead of time and, and I had worked with a mentor years ago and I was going back through all that he taught me and I was getting all twisted up in my head. And legit about 20 minutes before I'm to take the stage and, you know, share with the audience what we had, something inside of me, just like, you know, my intuition said, Stu, the presentation that you are going to do, it's, it's not in alignment with who you are and, and how you want to present this. And so I kind of panicked. And in that moment, I said to my team, I'm like, I'm not going to use the slides. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, you, you've prepped for this so Brett and I know I'm like I know and they're like well what are you gonna do and I said I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna share stories and they're like okay so I went up on stage and I started sharing a vision and I started sharing stories of people just like those in the audience who we had helped and served who had made forward progress toward that bigger vision And I had no idea how this was going to be received. I was tremendously nervous. I remember like I was presenting like a a Tyrannosaurus Rex because I knew like I was sweating and I would have had like sweaty armpits. So I was like, you know, I was I was talking like this. But anyway, in the midst of sharing this story, all all these different stories, I made I made the offer and I looked into the audience because I couldn't see the lights were bright and I went like this and there was nobody in the seats. And and my heart literally dropped. And in that moment, I remember the voice in my head was just like, you blew it. You blew it. Like you should have stuck with the presentation that you had planned for. And I think the production team that was helping us could sense what had just happened because it must have been my face or my body language or something, but it definitely gave clues to the fact that I had done this, saw that there was nobody in the seats and I was reflecting, you know, a little bit of disappointment about that. Well, then all of a sudden they shone a light and there was it pretty much the entire audience was at the back. 
and they were all purchasing the thing that I had offered. And in this moment, it was like just this euphoria of how important it is, number one, to listen to our instincts. I, I think that you know, our intuition is incredibly powerful. I, there's and a tremendous woman in our community. Her name's Lisa Kay, who teaches business owners how to make better decisions, trusting their intuition. And that was one of those intuitive moments. And so that was that. But the other part of it was just discovering just how powerful stories are in moving people to take action. And I think a big reason is because when we see in others parts of ourselves the conversation immediately goes to, well, if they can do it, so can I. And and it begins to plant a seed of belief in our audience. And more than anything, when people believe in what's possible, not only in terms of that it is possible, but that it's possible for them, it moves them to take greater action. And now, I've got to make a distinction here, though, Leanne. There's a big difference between a testimonial and a story. Mm. A, a testimonial is, Stu is awesome. Stu's membership experience is amazing. You definitely got to work with Stu. You'll get great results working with Stu. Stu, Stu, Stu. It's all about, like, me or the program. That's a testimonial. And there's a place for those things. But when you're sharing stories, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the person I'm telling the story about and the transformation that they experienced. And when you just tell the story, not about you and how great you are, how great your product is, but when you tell the story from, you know, almost like gushing about how proud you are of them and what that has made possible and in what an accomplishment it has been for them. It's all about them. What happens is subconsciously people naturally connect the dots like, that person got the result by working with Stu, but I didn't have to say that. And it's all about showing people what's possible. It's planting that seed of belief. And when that happens, people catch it and they run with it and they take more action than ever before. So I love sharing stories because it has nothing to do with me. I never feel like I'm ever selling because I'm just gushing about our people and the progress that they've made. And I, I use it to inspire people and to crack people open to show them that they are capable of so much more than they ever imagined. And the key with stories is that you don't just want to tell the stories of the big success. Like if I only told the stories of Jabril and Tiffany, who now have a membership site with 50,000 members who, you know, are approaching 50 and $60 million a year with their membership. If I told that story, very few people would relate to that story. Very few. Or if I only told the story of Levi Kajulu, who's got a guitar membership with, you know, more than 12,000 plus members growing at a rate of 900 to 1200 members a month, people wouldn't relate to that. Mm. So I don't just tell those stories. I, I tell stories of everybody in between. Like I'll tell you this story. This happened this week. There was a woman. Her name was Jessica Hughes. And in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to read to you what, what she wrote because it was absolutely heartwarming and beautiful. She said here, um, this is her, it was a Facebook post. She said, so I got all teary-eyed today, like a full-on ugly cry. She said, I have 50 founding members. So why all the tears? 
She said, I'm a single mom of seven kids these days, and I'm an artist. And four years ago, my whole perfect illusion of an insta-perfect life fell apart. I hit rock bottom behind closed doors and then checked myself into rehab. That same year, I also had to navigate an eating disorder. I had to change my whole life, including leaving the toxic marriage and start over with nothing. And it's taken me two and a half years to get my vibrant self back after a decades long hiatus. And then she went on. It was a long post, but she went on to talk about how this founding member launch where she put an idea out there. She didn't have the members area created yet. She didn't create a whole bunch of content yet. It was just an idea. She was just gauging whether her audience would have interest in it. And she put it out there. And anytime you put an idea out there, there's that moment of vulnerability where you're like, I have no idea if people are going to say yes. And and we we have that fear and that anxiety of like, what if nobody says yes? And then and then we go down that path like we of trying to protect ourselves. Like, well, no, you know what? Like, I don't want to go through any the embarrassment of people not liking my idea because that'll mean my idea sucks. That'll mean that I suck. That'll mean the business sucks. And we go down this like, you know, hole and we spiral. So, so many people hold themselves back and they never take that step forward out of fear that their idea might not work. Well, Jessica, I give her so much credit because she moved forward through that fear. She had the courage to put it out there and more than 50 people said yes. And in that moment, it like transformed her world because it transformed her belief of who she is and what is possible. I remember... My very first sale, it was $7.95. I will never forget that moment. It transformed my life forever because it instilled that belief in me that it was possible. And and this is why when we share stories, we've got to share stories of all people at all stages of their journeys. People who are at the very beginning, all the way to people who have mega success. Because if you only share the mega success, nobody will relate to it. But when you share the stories of people who are one step ahead of where your audience might be, that creates a deeper connection because people see themselves in that person. They're not too far removed yeah. from where they are right now. And that's what makes stories so incredibly powerful. It moves people to take action because that belief seed has been planted. And once that's planted, people's potential is limitless. Uh. This is so good. While you were talking, I literally typed in the Facebook chat. This is marketing gold, meaning actually how many of you are in this, in this year, in 2022, you're launching a membership, a course, a group coaching program, some sort of digital offer, your first digital offer. I know a couple of our A players. Shout out to Jackie and Sarah. That are off, that are creating their first, and Adrian, who are creating their first group programs. And it's not for the faint of heart. I'm really grateful that you spoke about that fear of putting it out there and just getting over that to say, I, I, I actually, when, when I have people launching, this is a fun little side fact for you. I have people launching all times of years and I'll tell them, just go Google founding member launch Stu McLaren and see what comes up. <laughs> just if you see a few videos, you might want to watch those few tips because you're, you are so generous with, with, you know, sharing these strategies openly, but that idea of 
I'm thinking about doing this thing. Is there anyone out there? And that's actually how, for those of you newbies that don't know, that's how Mamas in Code got started. I was sitting here stuck at home with two little babies and I was terrified of working from home because I'd never done that before. And I had this side hustle and I posted in this local Facebook group with 2000 Toronto moms. And I said, does anyone here have a business and want to get together at Johnny Baker's for a glass of wine? (laughs) And oh my God, the response (laughs) to, I I think, I think originally we had about 20 women say, yes, I'm interested. But then the day came and it was a snowstorm, which you know can like bring everything to a halt. Yeah. And and how I knew I was onto something was, even because I, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just cancel. But I posted in the group. I said, you know what? I'm still going to go because it's just up the street. If any of you feel like joining me, I'll see you there. And I just walked there thinking, oh, my God, no one's going to show. I'll be sitting there by myself with a sad old glass of wine. And seven women showed up in a snowstorm. And that's okay. how I knew Mamas & Co., which was called something different. But it was the same principle. That's how I knew it had legs because I had the courage to just do it anyway. Totally. And and I mean, if people want a resource to hear the concept of a founding member launch, I would just encourage you to go and subscribe to my podcast. It's called Marketing Your Business. And specifically, go check out episode number 170. I think it's 171 or 177. I apologize. I don't know the exact number offhand, but it's either 171 or 177 of the Marketing Your Business podcast. And I walk you through that process. But what I think at the end of the day, like as entrepreneurs, we're sometimes there can be this myth that when we get to a certain level of success, well, we won't feel the feels and fears anymore. Like it'll just, you know, those things will disappear. No, that doesn't happen. You, you still feel the fear. You still have those nerves. You still have that anxiety. But what you do do is you get better at navigating through it. And so. This is why I'm just a huge cheerleader of when people make that first sale, because I know how important that first sale is because it creates momentum and momentum creates confidence and confidence has it, it, it gets interwoven into all elements of what we do and how we do it and how we show up. And then ultimately how people receive us and, and believe in us and believe in our solution. And the response that we therefore get. So, you know, it all starts like you can't get to the thousands or tens of thousands of sales until you make that first one. But that first one is the thing that, in my opinion, is the most important one, because that's the one that plants the seed of belief that, yes, I can do this. Yes, it is possible. And yes, it is happening. There may need to be a few tweaks, you know, like along the way, but it's possible. And as soon as that belief is there, it cracks people wide open. Yes, I love that. I always say momentum breeds more momentum. And sometimes, actually, I love your, it's not your quote, but I can't remember the name of the person whose quote it is. It's the, you don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going. Yes. Yeah. I heard that back in 2004 from a gentleman by the name of Mike Littman, but it's stuck with me ever since. It's, you don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going. And when you wrap your head around that, you realize that like as entrepreneurs, all we're doing it's, we're just, we're just doing a bunch of experiments. And this is one of the things I encourage people to think about, to reframe it, because we often think like when we put a new idea out there, like it has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then it's going to reflect poorly on us and our reputation. And there we go down this cycle. No, no, no. Just think of it like it's just a simple experiment. 
We're, we're just seeing it's a, it's a practice business. Think of it as a practice business in the beginning. And it, it's not your real business. It'll, it'll someday, one day lead to the real, but right now it's, it's just practice. We're just, we're, we're just experimenting. And when you relieve yourself of the pressure that it has to be perfect, it has to work, it has to be right. Well, then you start to relax a little bit more and you're, you're willing to try things and, and some things aren't going to work, but some things will work. And, and this is the process of becoming a great entrepreneur is it's that person who is willing to put things out to try things. And along the way, we keep doubling down on the things that work and we keep eliminating the things that don't. You know, simple stool rule is do more of what works, less of what doesn't. And as long as you keep putting stuff out there, you have more to double down on and less and more to eliminate. And this is when you really begin to, to dial things in where you hit your stride and everything starts to really jam. But if you sit back in the shadows out of the fear that you, you can't put anything out there unless it's pinpoint perfect and it's going to work, it has to work each time, then you're never going to give yourself the opportunity to experiment enough to find the few things that really work. And so my advice is like, get out of your own way, get out of your own head, just get going and just start experimenting. And that's why when we think of stories, coming back to stories, that's why I love telling stories of people like Jessica because she got out of her own way. And 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 now that's going to open up so much in her world. She doesn't even know it yet. And that's what's so exciting. And that's why stories are powerful because we all relate in some way when those stories are told properly and especially the stories of people who are just one step further ahead than those in your audience. Uh, Stu, that is so beautiful. And I just have to tell you, I love that approach of, you know, treating your business just like it's like one big experiment or as I like to say, treat it like a playground. You know, it's yeah. a place to have fun and explore and, and see what you like and see what they like. And I just love that you're out there preaching that too because I think so many people are, just paralyzed by by fear of not getting it right. And and you're doing such wonderful work in the world. Of course, we didn't even talk about your charitable work that you and Amy have going on. Do you have a minute to just quickly share about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, here's a great example of experimenting. So when the pandemic hit, from a business perspective, you know, we have online memberships and stuff. So we're, everything was booming on the business side. But on the charity side, it was really challenging, by far the most challenging period of our entire charity, because 95% of our fundraising for our charity comes from live events. Well, as you can imagine, when the pandemic hit, like there were no more live events and therefore no more fundraising. But that didn't mean that the needs stopped in our communities. That didn't mean that our projects, you know, no longer needed funding. So we were caught in this like conundrum and it was a, it was a lot of tension of like, how long are we going to navigate, be able to navigate this period of not fundraising? We had, you know, reserve funds to keep some of the projects going, but the reality of it was, was in our, the communities that we serve in, in Kenya, you know, we also wanted to make sure that we helped these families. So we had to pivot and we had to get creative. We had to start asking ourselves different questions. And one of my favorite questions to ask is how? How can we raise more money? How can we fundraise in a completely different way? And when you start asking the question how, whenever you're stuck, I want you to just ask how. How can I make this happen? How can I make this amount of money by this time? How can I get in front of these clients? What happens when you ask the question how, 
you, you flip your brain on and your brain starts looking for answers. And sometimes they come right away. Sometimes they're going to come in a shower in the middle of the night. That's why I always got to have a piece of paper and pen right by the side of the bed. Just when they come, you got to, you got to get them out, but you got to ask yourself how you got to turn your brain on. Don't ask why, why did this happen to me? You know, why can't I do this? Why those questions, they're not going to serve you, but how, how can I make this happen? Turns your brain on. So that's what we started asking. How can we find another way to fundraise? How can we raise more money as a charity? Now we went back to our bread and butter, which was for us membership sites. This is the world that I know. So we ultimately created a membership site for our nonprofit and it's called Audience Builder Academy. And it focuses on helping people build their audience for their business. And 100% of every single dollar from that membership goes directly to the charity. So we basically bolted it on to what we do as a company. And as a company, by the way, like my company with my two business partners, we cover all the overhead for our charity. So it means that every single dollar that gets fundraised goes directly to our cause. So obviously, as a company, we're still continuing to do that. But from a project standpoint, like the charity still needed revenue to be able to fund the uh, upcoming projects that we had, which uh, which happened to be our most ambitious project yet, which was an all-girls school for more than 700 high schoolers. So anyway, we launched this membership. And in that first year of the membership, it generated more than half a million dollars, which went straight to the charity. And that enabled us to complete the all-girls school that we have built. And Amy's actually flying over there in the end of May to do a big grand opening for the school. And I'm so incredibly grateful that we were able to figure it out and we were able to navigate it. And, and so I just think that like, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's in our own business, whether it's in a nonprofit or charity, like Amy and I run, when we ask great questions, we're going to uncover, you know, solutions and we're going to have breakthroughs. So the charity is doing amazing. We're tremendously grateful for the support of our donors. And I'm also very, very grateful for my, my two business partners who, they're on the same wavelength. They just want to do more good with the business that we have. And I'm grateful to them because obviously with the way in which our company funds the overhead, it it relieved us from any unnecessary pressure and it created space where we could get creative and come up with the solution, which ultimately became the new membership. And so, yeah, it's been a whirlwind for the charity, but we're in a great place now. And now we're, you know, better equipped to handle future challenges than we've ever been. Because now as the world starts opening up and events start opening up again, now we do have the opportunity to fundraise in addition to having the security and predictability of the membership that we created during that time. Brad, so amazing. You are just on such a beautiful path and you're making such a difference in the world in so many ways. Stu, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here. And say hi to Amy and the family for me. Again, just what what a great... Everyone give Stu a round of applause. Woo! I can't wait to see what you get up to next. Well, thank you so much, buddy. And uh, you know, I just want to commend you for the way in which you bring so many amazing people together, the way in which you show up for your community. And uh, I appreciate you having me here. And everybody go have and make it a great week. Thanks for listening to The Business of Thinking Big. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. 
We would love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes, which will help more people like you find the show. And of course, you can learn more at leannekim.com. 